Welcome to Wind Up Weekly. I'm Matthew Gone. And I'm Katie Canfield. And we're here to share the week's news and wine. This week on Wind Up Weekly, Camus owner Chuck Wagner suing California governor. South Africans allowed to buy alcohol again. Southern France launches 34 million euro recovery plan. Henkel Freischnet passes 1 billion euros in turnover. Kylie Minogue launches Rosé brand. And as ever, our wine of the week. So first off, our week in wine. And what have we been up to, Katie? Well, let's start from the end of the week and work our way to the beginning. Yesterday, we, and this actually follows from our wine of the week from last week, the Lelage Peugeot Champagne. So we actually met a family member of the producer, Clemence Lelage. She actually lives in Petaluma. We found all this out because a friend of ours was enjoying these champagnes at the same time we were in a different location. When I asked her about uh, where she got the champagne, she said, oh, well, one of the family members lives in the Bay Area. So we placed an order through the importer. And the next day I received a text message that said my wine would be delivered by Clemence Lelarge herself uh, at noon. So we hurried back from a hike we were on and were able to catch her as she was leaving uh, the wines on our doorstep, keeping our social distance, uh, had a great conversation. Yeah, nothing like um, having champagne delivered to your door by a member of the family. It's never happened to me before. Especially all the way over here in California. Exactly. And then yesterday we attended a virtual party with Hardy Wallace of Dirty and Rowdy. And um, he had opened the bottle of Especial 2019, which is a Petite Sierra Carignan and Barbera blend. So unusual. And um, he was hosting a party. There was live music, uh, which people from all over the States were watching. And it was quite fun to be part of that. Yeah, Hardy's been doing quite a few of these uh, virtual tastings with his wine club and other people that kind of follow Dirty and Rowdy Wines uh, to great success. Uh, He's been doing a lot of music and wine pairings, which is really an interesting approach. And it's perfect for a Saturday afternoon. And then earlier in the week, uh, we finally bit the bullet and headed out to our local in Petaluma, uh, Taps. They serve food and beers right along the river, uh, lots of outdoor seating. So we put on our masks and went and checked it out. I have to say it was a lot less people than usual. And I think for you, Matthew, that was an advantage. Yes, I appreciate this social distancing. All the tables were kind of separated, so one table would be empty, one table with people on it. And it's just a nice, quiet, kind of civilized atmosphere rather than a bit bit too rowdy and noisy. So it's quite pleasant. But it was a Thursday afternoon, so it kind of fit that that mood, I think. I don't know what it's going to feel like at night when people go out. But that is pretty much the only bar that's opened in Petaluma, despite the lifting of the restrictions, because it does have outdoor seating. Well, and there is talk, I know, here, as well as in places in the Napa Valley, and I'm sure elsewhere, that they're going to start closing streets. Uh, so restricting access of cars so that then the restaurants uh, can really expand their outdoor seating capacity. So I think soon you're going to be seeing places in Napa and Sonoma maybe have a little more of a French air with the bistro seating. Yes, more, all sounds much more European, which I know you would appreciate, Katie, as would I. And then at the beginning of the week, we watched another of these California webinars with Elaine Chuck and Brown. And this time it was with Carol Meredith and Steve Lagier. Indeed. And Carol is a pretty legendary figure in the history 
or in the world of DNA fingerprinting. So all the information that we know about the origins of grape varieties pretty much come from her research and, and who she's worked with. So a fascinating figure, and her husband's very um, scientifically based as well. So it was a very um, in-depth uh, technical uh, webinar, which we both appreciated, really finding out a lot about their history and how they make wine. And what I found most interesting is when they're asked, it's like, all this knowledge you have, how do you um, use it in your winemaking? And they said, well, because we have so much knowledge, we know what not to do. So they do as little as possible, which I appreciate also. Yes, and I think their approach really shows in the wines. Uh, they work with some interesting uh, varieties with uh, Lagier Meredith, which is their brand, uh, the name of the vineyard, which they own in the Mount Veter AVA of Napa Valley. And they work with, you know, more well-known grape varieties varieties such as Syrah, uh, but also lesser known such as Mondus and Trividrag, which is actually Zinfandel and one of the grapes that Carol linked to Zinfandel in her research at UC Davis, that they are in fact the same grape variety. Next week's episode will continue on Zinfandel uh, with Tegan Pasalacqua uh, from Turley Vineyards, so that will be a good one to tune into as well. And now on with the news. As California slowly reopened this week, the rules governing wineries were heavily criticized, not least by Camus owner Chuck Wagner. He's suing Governor Gavin Newsom for dismissal due to the unfair and uneven treatment of California wineries. This is because wineries are only allowed to reopen if they serve full meals and a full bottle of wine and can do so outside with social distancing maintained. Tasting rooms that can't serve a full meal outside cannot open. This in itself doesn't make much sense. It hasn't been explained why having a meal is safer than a wine tasting. And it also particularly affects Napa Valley, as wineries aren't allowed to serve full sit-down meals. Chuck Wagner feels the rules are discriminatory towards wineries in general, but in particular those in Napa Valley, such as Camus. The issue is further complicated by the fact that Governor Newsom part-owns the Plump Jack Group, which owns four wineries in Napa. Chuck Wagner is always controversial, but he may have a point in this instance. They uh, do seem very inconsistent rulings about the wineries, um, especially as there's been a long concerted campaign to stop wineries from serving foods. All of a sudden they're supposed to serve food if they can stay open. Very strange. However, I'm not sure how many wineries actually want to reopen right now or can afford to do so. Very few tourists going around and um, the very few visitors to those wineries if they're open. So I'm not really sure what's going to happen when they are allowed to reopen. The lockdown in South Africa has been strict, with residents unable to leave their homes except for essential trips for the last three months. In that time, South Africans have also been unable to buy alcohol, the ban in place to prevent a rise in domestic abuse and ease the workload of hospitals. The 1st of June sees that ban lifted, as South Africa enters level 3 of its five-level approach to tackling the spread of coronavirus. Bars and restaurants, however, will remain closed. It's been a tumultuous three months for the South African wine industry, as exports of wine were at first banned, then allowed, then banned, then allowed again, and it's estimated that the wine industry has lost over $50 million during this period, with the long-term effect probably even costlier. Yes, so we're sure to see a ripple effect here. Uh, South African wines may not feature on future restaurant lists because the supply network was totally broken. Uh, Likewise in retail. Once those connections are broken, it's really hard to get them back again. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see uh, the fallout of all of this in, in the months to come. 
This week, the wine bodies of the Occitanie regions, Languedoc, Roussillon, and Midi-Pyrenees, in effect the southwest France wine region, agreed a 34 million euro package to help the wine industry. 20 million euros will come from the various regional wine bodies representing Languedoc, Roussillon, and southwest France, while the remaining 14 million euros will come from the Occitanie Regional Council and trade bodies with 80% of that going directly to wineries. The Occitanie was formed in 2016 with the purpose of providing an all-encompassing regional identity for some of these poorer rural regions of France. And in this case, it seems to be working. It covers 270,000 hectares of plantings, with over 100,000 people employed in the wine industry, with a turnover of 1.3 billion euros. So it's vital that regional bodies support the wine industry to boost the economy. So 34 million euros, does that sound enough to you, Matthew? I'm not sure. It kind of sounds impressive uh, when you first see it, but then you realize it's a 1.3 billion euro economy. Um, so there's a tiny fraction of that amount. But hopefully... Um, this figure will help ease wineries get through the next few months and of course people will hopefully uh, start drinking again and going out again and maybe sales will uh, boost and these wineries will be able to cope because these are all you know, inexpensive uh, wine regions in the main and so it's at a price point which people are going to continue buying at properly. Well and it kind of parallels uh, what you know the US was doing here with their with their different uh, uh, loans and different grants, you know, to small businesses, they were only really to help out for two months max. So maybe that's the the thinking here as well. Yeah, and some of these wineries have, have received funding and support from the, the government as well. So there is uh, money coming into them, but obviously they just need to get producing again and hopefully they can. In 2018, two sparkling wine giants merged to create a massive international drinks business, Henkel of Germany and Freischenet of Spain. This week, they released figures recording sales in 2019, the first full year after the merger. Sales rose by 28% to just over 1 billion euros before tax. The company now accounts for over 8% of all sales of sparkling wine, with the aim to hit 10%. These extremely positive figures for the company are of course tempered by the decline in sales of sparkling wine over the last three months, with sales overall predicted to be down by 15% in 2020. Henkel Freischenet remained confident, however, that sparkling wine sales generally spike in the last three months of the year, and as long as coronavirus doesn't hit again in the last quarter, they believe consumption will return to normal. Well, a lot of, you know, this wine that we're talking about is at the lower end of the spectrum when it comes to price point. So it's less likely to suffer uh, than champagne. But it sounds like they think things are going to get back to normal pretty quickly, which uh, we're not so sure about. Right. With our experience of going to the bar on Thursdays, like people are a little bit reluctant to go back to bars and restaurants. And I think that's going to continue. But um, off-premise sales have been high, as we've seen. So maybe that will balance uh, the fall in sales in restaurants and bars. But of course, all of this depends on how coronavirus continues to develop or hopefully not develop. Last week, the pod reported on two new rosés being launched, one by Sarah Jessica Parker and another by Dolce & Gabbana. So here's another celebrity rosé that's been dominating social media this week. Kylie Minogue has got in on the act, releasing her new rosé brand on May 28th to coincide with her 52nd birthday. 
It's a Vin de France rosé, costing £9 in the UK, and is 80% Carignan and 20% Cabernet Sauvignon. It's made by Paul Shaftsma of Benchmark Wines, who are also behind cricketer Ian Botham's range of wines. Kylie fell in love with Provence Rosé while recording an album in the hot summer months of Nashville, and she apparently played a key role in blending the wine, choosing the shape of the bottle, and designing the label. Later this summer, she'll be releasing a Cote de Provence Rosé, which is a blend of Grenache, Sanso, and Roll, as well as a Sauvignon Blanc and Merlot from southern France. Also planned in the future is a high-end Chardonnay from Margaret River. Seems like she's cut the bug. Quite. These celebrities seem obsessed by uh, rosé, uh, but she's really um, got the bug, as, as you said, with two different rosés and Sauvignon Blanc and Merlot, as well as Chardonnay from Australia. Uh, it's going to be quite a range that she's um, releasing in the coming months. And now for our wine of the week, which is Katie. Terrassin Cabernet Franc 2018 from the Finger Lakes in New York. Well, we had a bit of a New York-themed tasting this week, comparing two different wines from the Finger Lakes. One of them was an unusual and very tasty Pinot Noir Blau-Frankish blend from Ravines, the producer we're quite fond of. But the narrow winner was a Cabernet Franc from Terrassin. Terrassin is a husband-wife project by Thomas Pachuzak and Jessica Brown. Thomas has a degree in neurobiology from Cornell and is a classically trained pianist. But when he worked in restaurants to pay off his student loans, he got hooked by wine and is now the wine director at the Nomad Hotel in New York, and together with Jessica, started Terrassin just a few years ago. They make a Gamay from Cayuga Lake and a Blau Frankish Rosé from Seneca Lake, both of which are delicious, as well as this Cabernet Franc, also from Seneca Lake. It's gently foot-trodden, has a little bit of carbonic maceration during a 10-day cold soak before fermentation with 50% whole cluster, which gives you an idea of the light, delicate, spicy style of the wine. And a friend of ours actually confused this for Pinot Noir. So New York's still off the radar for a lot of people, but a wine like this gives a real sense of how good New York wines can be and what they taste like. So I look forward to trying more. Yes, I've tried two or three different vintages of this Cabernet Franc, and it's consistently excellent and definitely um, representative of the really high quality wine that's coming from New York. It can be quite inconsistent there because producers do use hybrids as well but when producers really put their minds to it and work with vinifera and get it from the correct sites you have these really light refreshing kind of loire style wines and i think cabernet franc and gamay and also blau frankish are grapes which represent the future of new york and i look forward to tasting more wines cheers to that so that's it for wind up weekly this week i'm katie canfield i'm matthew gone join us next week for another wind up And in the meantime, we ask that you please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, That helps other listeners searching for the news in wine to find us. Especially if the reviews are positive. That's right. See you next week. Cheerio! Cheerio!